0: Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier, Stephen Chicken here, joined as usual by David Hartrick. David, we've had two games and multiple signings since we last spoke. We won't dwell on Preston North End 3, Huddersfield Town 1. I think that's been and gone by now, uh, and it's the FA Cup, so who cares? We've uh, finished pretending to care about the FA Cup for another year. Um, However, obviously, there were things in that performance that were very concerning, uh then going to Hull City and I thought for ninety seven minutes they addressed a lot of the issues they'd shown against Preston. Uh certainly off the ball. Uh certainly not on it, but definitely off the ball they addressed a lot of those issues for ninety seven minutes and then last kick of the game pretty much they concede and have to come away with a draw. You just said to me that you have a very different opinion from me on this game. Uh and we've not delved into that further, so let's have it.
1: I didn't think town were great at all. I thought they were they were too passive again. I thought they I thought the goal was good and I actually thought up until the goal I thought they they were doing they were carrying out a plan really well. Um yeah. and then almost as soon as they scored they just went into a weird default mode. I thought they sat too deep, I thought they were way too passive, I thought It's alright praising them for shape and defensive organisation. And if they get a point, uh, if they get three points, they get the win. It's a a different conversation. But I thought that was was there for them, really. And about five minutes after Town had scored, it felt immediately like Hull were going to get an equaliser, whether it comes in the 98th minute or the 60th minute. Because Town had just... I dunno, it was almost like it felt to me like a bit of muscle memory, but you think the other way, don't you? You think they were they were pretty solid.
0: Yeah, I thought defensively, particularly in the first half, that was the best defensive performance we've seen from town all season. And the numbers do back that up. Um but I just thought Hull never really got anywhere near them. Um they'd never got you know, we've seen plenty of performances from town this season where they've gone ahead and then they just get absolutely pummeled for however long they've got left to defend. And a few of them, they've been able to hold the team off. Um, thinking of um, of obviously QPR in particular there, but also a little bit Millwall. This wasn't that for me. I thought they did a really good job of largely keeping Hull at arm's length. Bilokapic had to make two good saves which he he made well uh one of them I think you'd be disappointed if he hadn't saved it to be fair um the second one where he tips it onto the post is a really really good reflex stop but um I thought they actually the the, the context I'm coming at from here really and the reason that I was more pleased with it than, than down on it even after the equaliser was we were coming off the back of those two games against Luton and Preston where they had regressed so massively in terms of their organisation and their defensive work and I thought this was much more the kind of thing that we'd come to expect from them from the middle of the game onwards and a bit of a return to form not even just a return to form but an improvement in form in their defensive work uh, against Hull.
1: Yeah i I think my disappointment comes from a different angle because I don't actually disagree with anything you've said there I think it's more that when they got the goal, they decided to sort of sit in their shape and then just try and be really difficult to beat. And the thing about Hull is, like, I know Hull have been on a very good run, still unbeaten since the World Cup, aren't they, I think? Um, yes. And Estepan, I think, is a, a, a very good striker. I don't think he's great, but he's very good. I love Ryan Longman, obviously, Brighton connections. Regan Slater, I think, is really good. But apart from that, I don't think there's a there's a massive amount there of, of sort of class and quality. Certainly, I think with, you know, Town started that game with, Sober Thomas, Kusumu, Brahimah Diara, and two strikers, Canvary and Waghorn on the bench. And I think they could have, I'm not saying you go like balls to the wall and go out and try and get a second, but I don't necessarily think they had to sit in, in the way they did. and, and, I think you're exactly right I think they were they did get their shape right I think they were well organised I think there are lots of things to praise there I just don't think they had to do it if I'm honest I think they mm. could have gone for it and they, you don't have to see every lead out you can go and try and double it <laughs> you know yeah. That was that was where my disappointment was and I just felt they were so so passive I mean they like they were in the game they were competitive until they scored and then it just uh, you know like hold oh, like had double the passes double the you know like double the possession and it just i my that's the thing it's not it's not like we're sitting here about to have a big argument but my big problem yeah. is i just don't think they needed to do what they did even though what they did do very very nearly came off
0: yeah i think my slight defence on this is that 10 minutes into the second half, Mark Fotheringham did. He took off a midfielder and put on a striker to try and, and, and push the wing backs up to try and go 3 5 2 instead of 5 4 1. And try and get that goal on the counter-attack. And basically, as soon as he did that, they just got completely overrun by Hull. That was like that was Hull's best spell, because Liam Rossini, as soon as Fotheringham did that, made several subs of his own. Um, and they would, for the first time in the game, town were getting properly outrun, uh, particularly down the flanks. And he had to, I think, then switch back to the five-four-one and go, actually, no, we just, let's try and see this out. He, he put on Brahima Diarra late on to try and, you know bring some impetus i think there are a couple of chances where a more experienced player than diara probably gets something out of that kind of move um he just let the ball get away from him a couple of times which is um we know brima diara is capable of brilliant things but we also know he's that is something he will do but you know i accept your point entirely about the failure to kill off the game you know we, we we had this we had a bit of a conversation earlier where we were talking about town looked like a team and I think that's definitely true of this game looked like a team that were playing for the 1-0 mm. and unfortunately when you're playing for a 1-0 you're always going to leave yourself yeah. open to the risk of, of that equaliser coming. does much for it to um, go wrong that's the big problem. No exactly and so I completely accept what you're saying in terms of the failure to kill the game off um, and the lack of ambition there um, and I think there are there are other changes that Mark Fotheringham could have made that would have wouldn't have left them quite so exposed on the flanks. I think, you know. I
1: would say though, like to offer a slight defence, I'm not, I'm not convinced it was. I'm not convinced it's what Mark Fotheringham wanted to do. Like I say, I do think there was a little yeah. bit of muscle memory kicked in, and they just dropped too deep, and they they were just too passive, which is like a historical problem with this squad. I would argue, even stretching back to when times were good under Carlos Corberan, they had a tendency yeah. to just try and sit in rather than, than push on. And
0: they had a period last season, didn't they, where they kept conceding equalisers, and um, because because of exactly that thing around sort of November, December last season, wasn't it? But, the, the, um, but became a bit of a bad habit.
1: But this is the problem. You know, they spent a long time as as a side who were too scared to win two 0 in place they lost two one and. They need to put that in the back window now because, like we've talked about it on other pods, things are looking better and they are clawing their way up this table. But to realistically be safe, they've got to win. I'd say maybe three away games as a, as a minimum, mm. as a minimum. And this was a winnable away game, is the thing. And yeah. I think to win away games, you have to be brave and you have to you have to go for it and you have to be prepared for the. The balance to shift backward, forwards a little bit, but yeah, you know, in the end, let's let's be honest, let's let's really bring it down to brass tacks. It's not a bad point, <laughs> you know.
0: No, it's not. We'd have taken this point before kickoff, and we said, you know, we're talking in the press room beforehand with the whole people and they were saying they would treat a loss as a disaster they were treating this game as a must win really um and (laughs) i said i think a point would be fine you know when i did the the points predictions before christmas i was looking at what what do they need sort of realistically from these games and i tried to be at least i I didn't it was a points target so i didn't predict any defeats but i also tried to give a bit of wiggle room um because I think it's unrealistic to expect them to win every single six-pointer. And at, at that time, this looked like a six-pointer, and I had it down as a draw. And that was before they then went and absolutely smashed Wigan, and before it was clear that actually since the World Cup break, this is a much better hold side, mm. uh, who annoyingly have a really good habit for scoring late goals <laughs> from their perspective. They've scored more than anyone in 14 this season, they've scored in the last 15 minutes, more than anyone in the league, which is uh, maybe says something... Um, but yeah, I think it's a good point. But obviously, the nature of it is is very very disappointing. You, you feel like that's a point earned if the if the time of the goals is reversed, don't you? Mm. Um, but um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I I think though there, there are things to take from it. But they obviously they need to. And and for me, I was quite pleased to see them having been very solid and started to build on that against Preston Rotherham, uh, the first Preston game or you know what I mean, the third Preston game, the Boxing Day game, and then become a bit more of a shambles against Luton and Preston, I was more pleased just to see them get that bit of organisation back. But they do need to, you know, if they do the same thing against... against Blackpool next weekend, then that's a completely different story. I think they do have to beat Blackpool now. Yeah, uh, I think that they needed four points from these two away games uh, and they could have put themselves in a position um, mm-hmm. where they where they were aiming for six and now they're looking for four, which is sort of the par for them, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, definitely. And the the fixtures are going, you know, the weeks are ticking by. And one of the mm. things we've said is by the end of January if Town are sort of really on an upward curve and have really got a fighting chance of getting out there, they A, needed to be the bottom off the 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 table, which they are, and, you know, like, we can't knock them for that, but it's very tight. It's a point in it. But the second thing is, if they really are on an upward curve, they have a huge chance to get out of this bottom three, potentially. And psychologically, I think from where Town have been... If they can get themselves into a position where they are out of that bottom three, I think it would make such a like a massive difference going forward. Because it's just they've been down amongst the dead men for so long, haven't they? But at mm-hmm. the same time, as I said, you've got they've got to win some away games and they they've got to go for them. Blackpool has fortunately been a bit of a happy hunting ground for them in truth, so they're probably going to go into this game without any fear, but. If they go 1-0 up against Blackpool, I do not want to see them just try and go tight and stay in shape because they're not up against a level of... Let's be honest, they're not up against a QPR. QPR, they did exactly Mm. the right thing, which is they got their noses in front and went, right, we need to try and see this out. They were away from home against a very good side. Halar have got a very good manager, but I don't think they're a very good side in truth. I don't think they're brilliant by any stretch. I know Blackpool aren't, (laughs) you know, Blackpool have got a lot of issues, Um, not all of their own making either, but they've got a lot of issues, they have to go and win that game now for me.
0: Yeah, they are as as weird as it is to say it and it doesn't feel like it in a lot of ways, Town are actually in their best form of the season at the moment. Mm. I think that there's more reasons to be optimistic now than there were definitely than there were a month ago um, and certainly than there were sort of three, four months ago. Um, But it still feels very underwhelming, doesn't it? Because Mm -hmm. it just, it does feel like they keep shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, the, the late goals have become a bad habit and I was talking to someone earlier just trying to work out like they suggested, is it fitness? And I thought, well, I know concentration does wane if, as, as games wear on but actually I think the goals they've conceded have all been positional errors um, we're talking about the goals against uh, Watford against Luton um, late on against Preston and, and this one against Hull um, but actually like over the course of the season they've not been a team that have conceded a lot of late goals um, I think Part of it is the game states they're getting themselves into because I think previously, to be honest, by the time you got to the last 15 minutes, they're already beaten. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Whereas now teams are more likely to have either a point or three points to chase when they get into the final 15 minutes against town. Um, That's certainly been the case a lot of the last few games. Um, and and ta- and also Town have had a point or three points to chase, even in the games where they've been trailing. Like you know, so you, you're more prone on the counter. But I think this one was just. Uh, I don't think it's any one individual error. I saw a lot of people criticising Will Boyle, uh, certainly from the play rating he's got and from. What I'm told was said on radio Leeds. I don't think Will Boyle does anything wrong on that goal at all. I think there's nothing really different that he can do. He gets beaten to that ball by inches. Uh, I've broken it down in the five conclusions, but it's, you know, I think Lowton, first of all, gets caught flat footed to try to win a header. Then Lees is out of position, which has stretched the defence. Then Hellick should cut it out, but he's too busy focusing on blocking off Connolly rather than going for the ball. And then he flails his arm out as he's challenging Connolly and actually handles it into a stupid hands path um yeah. just a very slight touch but it just turns it onto stupid hands foot and then it's a brilliant finish you have to say to be fair like there's only one way that he can find the net from there and, and he does it mm. um but it was you know as i put it in the conclusions it was death by a thousand paper cuts rather than one big individual error wasn't
1: it yeah i i, th- I kind of understand where the fans are coming from though because i think uh, I think if you move players around into different positions, so I think if you have Helic in Boyle's position there, I think Helic probably gets to it, just because he's half a second ahead in his mind on where Will Boyle is. I, so I, I kind of understand the criticism, but yeah, I'm with you. I think, But I think the other thing is you've got, like, all football fans are terrible for looking at a goal and pointing out all the reasons why it shouldn't have been scored. Like, mm-hmm. y- you will concede goals. You do concede yeah. shots, you know. Man City conceded two on Saturday. Well, one and a half, shall we say. Um, <laughs> like, you, you you can't... You can't just...
0: Thank you for not saying Liverpool conceded three, by the way, which you must have pained you.
1: Uh, I wasn't going to bring that up. But now you have. No, but uh, I just the thing is I have no real opinion on the goal itself other than it was a very good finish and a bit like you, I think there were, you can yeah. point to a lot of sort of small errors that led to it coming. My main opinion on the, the sort of goal overall is just that it'd been coming from, you know, the the 22nd minute and that's my problem with it. So, but yeah, I, I would say I do think there are politi- positives to take. I think, We've got to talk about the goalkeeper situation, and I, I thought... Yeah,
0: a lot of personnel to talk about. Yeah,
1: I thought, uh, in that game, I thought, to be fair, Nicholas Bilok- Pick, however you want to say it, Billow Billers, uh, came in and I thought he did what he does, which is just look a very solid competent keeper. Every time we've seen yeah. him B team or whatever he just looks a very solid competent keeper, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, very composed. Um you don't see any of the sort of the flapping out of him no. that you'd normally get from a from a young goalkeeper. He was you know, and those saves he made were were, you know, were good saves. Um, never looked troubled nothing he could do on the goal. Um, but they have said they are going to sign uh, a new, more experienced they, they goalkeeper's cover to. for Lee Nichols. They need to. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you don't want to risk playing a 20-year-old for the rest of the season. You
1: don't, well, do you know what? I think you would if you were comfortably mid-table. You knew you were going to have a little flirt with the playoffs, but realistically, you would be the, the, the fourth of the four sides at best. I think maybe you would have to think about it and think, do you know what? do we give him a few games because worst case scenario we can always plead we need an emergency loan to the fa and mm. they tend to just say yes to goalkeepers but this is a relegation battle and you need yeah yeah you, you you need somebody with a little bit of experience in there but i thought he did well the thing i've always had questions over his, his distribution, and I was I was looking at his distribution, and I think it was good. I think it was very good. I've no doubts about him sort of being an actually good goalkeeper in terms of shot stopping, but he, I thought his distribution was okay. He's been very prone in B team games. At just leathering the ball straight to the other goalkeeper, hasn't he? He can,
0: he can, he can kick it really far. Yeah,
1: he really can. And there was, yeah. there was none of that. He was a lot more thoughtful and a lot more considered with it. So, yeah, I thought he had a strong game.
0: Yeah, but there is, you know, it's obviously it's a blow to lose Lee Nichols. Um, I think I don't think they thought it was going to be a. The injury that it has turned out to be, I think wrestling for the FA Cup was was more precautionary, and then it's just it's developed from there, or rather, has not developed from there, and and they decided to need surgery to correct it, which is a massive shame. Uh, obviously, we know what a big player Lee Nichols has been; his, his player of the season last season, his best keeper in the division last year, and and I would say probably the best keeper in the division this season as well. Um, you know, he's he's barely put a foot wrong. He had a couple of um, dodgy moments early in the season I think but he's he's really put those behind him so we asked Mark Fotheringham if we can expect to see him play again this season he said he didn't know at this stage hopefully we'll we'll get more word on that but I think Fotheringham has, has uh, tried to err on the side of not giving out timelines if he can possibly help it because I think every manager is different um, Carlos told us everything but Carlos often gave us dates that then turned out to be too optimistic <laughs> and then had people questioning why aren't they back. He said he was going to be back by now, so I think Fotheringham's tack is, is more the other way, which is don't put a time on it, and then if, when they're back, they're back. Um, so, big blow to lose the nickels. How big a blow do you think it is?
1: Uh, I, I think it's massive. I mean, third most saves in the league already, sixth for save percentage against and some of the keepers above him on save percentage have played an awful lot fewer, you know, fewer games he's massive he's just a massive presence in that team as well um, and I I think that like we, we've we run out of ways of sort of saying that Lee Nichols is a really good goalkeeper and I think town fans have because everybody just knows he's a very good goalkeeper, don't they He's not easily replaced, but at the same time... Like with goalkeepers, I've said it before, three-quarters of the workforce is out of work at any one time because you can only play one. So there are plenty of goalkeepers out there. They've just got to get somebody with the right presence and the right character because that little defensive unit is so used to when Nichols is going to come, when they can leave it, being able to anticipate what he does. That's They need a little bit of experience in there, so you can kind of replicate those game situations without too much of a drama, because what you don't want is the, bless him, <laughs> the Ryan Schofield thing, where the defenders never quite worked out where to trust him, what crosses to trust him on, where they should be going, where they should double up, so there's, there's I've seen a few names get mentioned and get passed around, who knows, I've, I've nothing firm, you know, there's no inside info on that one, but, I do think they just need to get somebody with a little bit of experience. They they need that sort of like 33, 34 year old, don't they?
0: Yeah, been there, done that. I think it's the as good as Bilaka Pitch has been. I think you would sort of back him to be good um, over this run of games. But I think if they're still sort of in that bottom three towards the end of the season and the heat is on and you're desperate for points, exactly, that is a lot of pressure to put yeah. on a on a young head, isn't yeah. it? So a keeper who knows what what to expect from that kind of thing I think could go a long way I think it's been mitigated I think I would be saying it was a much much bigger loss (laughs) losing the nickels if Matty Pearson went back Um, brilliant to see him back in action 10 months since he last played he had that that injury at the end of last season I think it was a knee injury wasn't it and then he's come back in pre-season and then broken his foot Um, so six months out with this injury but 10 months since he last played a competitive game and you know, I know he didn't complete the ninety, but he looked like he hadn't missed a step. I thought he had a really good game.
1: Yeah, well, he just—he just does he's great, and we yeah. love Matty Pearson. Matty Pearson <laughs> does what Matty Pearson does, doesn't he? You know, like we, we kind of you sort—we of, all know what to expect from him at this point, don't we? It's it, and as long as he's got the right people by him, that's absolutely fine. And the thing is a fully fit Matty Pearson with Hellick in the middle and Lee's the other side, that's a good championship defence. That's a a solid, good championship defence. And that alone should help Town higher up the pitch as well to take a few more risks and, and, you know, keep addressing some of these creativity problems. But, yeah, it's just... It's just vital, and I think the like I don't really want to slag people off or call people out, but I think the the drop off from Matty Pearson to Will Boyle is fairly clear for all to see. Yeah. Will Boyle has his uses, and there are games where Will Boyle is sort of excellent, but there's no denying that Matty Pearson, for me and you, would like it'd be Lee Nichols first, and then Matty Pearson would arguably be second or third name on the team sheet for us.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think him, Helic, and Lee's are as good as most defenses in this division yeah. as a back three goes. And I know there's not a lot of pace there, you know. Then and they're not infallible, as we saw from from Lee's and Helic on that goal, as we've mentioned. But you know, as far as championship defenders go, I think they're they're three of 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 the best in 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 the division, um, or at least as a trio, they are. So, yeah, I, I think that back three looks good. Um, lowton I think has brought you know he's, he's a lot more experience than Kane Cascade and I know Kane Kane has gone back now um, to Aston Villa a town of sent him back rather than him being recalled I think there's a couple of things on that I, I suspect that they were looking at that before he had that great runner form yeah. <laughs> just after yeah. Christmas little mini runner form he was at fault for Preston's third goal uh, and he has had silly mistakes in him this season he mm. has looked like a player his age, which is fine, but you know, again, relegation battle. If you can close down those fine margins, as as with signing more experienced keeper, why wouldn't you by getting in a more experienced uh, right back?
1: Um, I think there's clearly a player there, but I think there was a reason he wasn't trusted until fairly late on in what's proved to be his loan. Like, I think he was very good. His end product was not wonderful, and I reckon one of the reasons they want to go forward with Loton there is because I think his crossing will be be better um, and that's yeah it's just it, like he's a, he's a young lad he was absolutely rapid and there were games where he definitely enjoyed himself but there were you can't forget there were other games early on where he got bullied a bit Steve and mm. like your recovery pace works mostly to get you out of trouble, but not every single time. And yeah, he was, he's raw. And I think he'll be, he, he's obviously got a career ahead of him. Hasn't he? We're not sitting here going, you know, there's no talent there, but I kind of get that move to go from him to, to Luton. I just think, yeah, do you know what? I kind of get that in this situation, in this season. Especially
0: when Oli Turton is back in training as well. Yeah. You know, there's com- competition between Turton and Lowton now. Um, and people be asking, you know, why, why send... I think the other thing is the, the number of loan slots. You can only have five in any match day squad. Um, and... Town were at that capacity uh, at the time they let Caste go back and I know people will be saying well Tino Entrance injured potentially for the rest of the season why not send him back or Luke and is not playing why not send him back but um, I think you need to also bear in mind that it's not always within the club's um, gift to send a player back um, it's down to individual agreements between the clubs so that mm. you know I think the the club that loans them out can always do the recall but the, the club who loans them in, can't always send them back. Yep. Um exactly. So there there may be an element of that with, with Mbete and Antrim as well. Um we'll see what happens with them. And obviously there's the wage bill as well. You know, Kane, I know he's a young player, but will be on Premier League young player mm-hmm. wages, not championship young player wages. And, you know, town have been very active and when you've got three right backs, um, mm. you know, I think there's the, that's the obvious place to, to cut some cloth, isn't it? Uh, yeah,
1: and I think Turton coming back as well, like, Turton's a funny player, I, I think we've become ultra defensive of him because we really like him and what he does in that, the role he plays in that squad and in that side, and like, I think not only have you now suddenly got Turton potentially as an option there to come in with lowton but also Turton to be frank can come into that back three you know you would if yeah. you you could it was Lee's played right wasn't it against Hull so he could yeah. come in there or you'd just swap Matty Pearson you know like that he gives you another option he sort of bumps Will Boyle down the down the list never mind Kane Kessler Hayden doesn't he so yeah I can't I'm struggling to get too worked up about that one really
0: yeah um I'm going to save the one you really want to talk about here, Dave. Martin Wycorn has co- has come in. Um, you were saying he's been linked with Town since about yeah, 2016. Yeah,
1: he's, he's a player who's sort of been perennial, perennial. But you know what I'm trying to say. Linked, um, and
0: he's got Pirelli tyres.
1: The thing is about Wycorn is that he he's a, he's a good he's a good striker doing what he does, which <laughs> like. I'm not. I'm not trying to sort of defend anyone or anything like this, but he's sort of a bully of a striker. He's not a striker who you bring in and expect to score you like, you know, ten goals in fifteen games. You want him as a presence up front, being strong, knocking people about, making sure defenders don't have an easy time of it. Do I think he's coming in and he'll score more than Jordan Rhodes would or Danny Danny Wardwood before the end of the season if he played the same amount? I'm honestly not sure. But I do kind of get it as a signing because I don't... Jordan Rhodes, for all his qualities, and again, we really like him, he's not a bully. Danny Ward is not a bully, he's a wasp. You know, he he just closes people down, chases, presses, harries. They haven't really got that little bit of a, you know, I'm going to sharpen the elbows before I go go out on the pitch type striker. So I do kind of get that one. Canberry, we have spoke about him briefly, but... I'm kind of jury out on that one. I honestly don't know on that one. But the Waghorn one, I do kind of see it. If I'm honest,
0: not been great for Coventry the last couple of seasons, though. Do you feel like he can still does still a job to
1: potentially? Do? Because when he's when he's good, when he hits a spell, he, he's a streaky player, and he tends to to look to he tends to suddenly look like a really really good striker. So I think what. What Town and and Mark Fotheringham are obviously crossing their fingers and hoping is that they get him on one of those streaks. And if they do, you know, that, like, without being dramatic, but that could be the difference between survival and relegation, you know, because if he could suddenly pop in with a five or six goal run, it could be massive. But whether he will or not, I just don't know. But I think the other thing is that it's worth saying is we both think that Mark Fotheringham wants. He wants to find a system where he's got two strikers on the pitch. So I think having having different types of strikers is key to that. If you just have lots of the same player it's never gonna work. So yeah, you know, from that from that point of view, to have like to have a, a poacher like Rhodes, a presser like Ward, a bully like wagon. And we'll see what Canberra brings (laughs) to the party. (laughs) I I do, I do see it. I do understand that. And of course, we're forgetting out of all of this, they've also got you know Simpson, who is a bit of a—he's an unknown quantity at this point. I think it's fair to say, but he's in the mix there as well.
0: Yeah, I sort of feel like. Waggon might have been signed in response to Simpson not doing a huge amount against Preston the previous
1: week, but he's still he's still a young lad and he's got to make the yeah, step up in the championship. And it's I think it's a reaction to the the position in the league. Like you're asking a lot of a young striker yeah, to again. to make that step up, aren't you?
0: They wanted experience. Yeah, yeah. The, the the explanation you know that he gave was he wants more experience in the squad mm. in in all positions, and you know he, he says you know. I think they've played 37 38 39 players this season something like that which is a monstrous number. Um but as Fotheringham keeps saying like that number is so massive because he's played a lot of kids. Yeah. Um and so you know if you had a I think if you had a a twenty-year-old and a thirty-two-year-old of of similar quality. The thirty-two-year-old is going to at least have a few tricks up his sleeves. Will have been there and done that. Will have the mentality, etc. However, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit because I know Ward's injured, but I don't know. I'm unconvinced on the on the Waggon and the sign signing. To be honest, I, um, I,
1: I I I'm probably with you. I understand the logic of the Waghorn one. I'm I'm not sure about the other. Shall we say?
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez.
1: But can we please yeah. just get to the main course, Stephen?
0: <laughs> Anthony Nuckhart. Oh, God,
1: I love him. I love him. Uh, the thing is, right, like, <laughs> he's not the player he was, right? There's there's no point pretending he is. He's not the player he was. He's lost a little bit of pace and what have you over the years. But he's still, he's younger than everybody thinks. 31. He's got a hell of a lot of experience in the championship and there will be games where he struggles to to do anything i think against your higher level of opposition but do i think the last half an hour of a game against oh i don't know a blackpool he might be a very valuable option to bring on and somebody who could genuinely run rings around a defender still yeah absolutely absolutely and He's had his troubles in the past he's he's not always been an easy character to deal with but he's sort of come through that and he's a bit of a he feels like he's old before his time in many ways so it's a little bit of experience on the pitch again but I just that promotion season he was magical until we got until and this is brighton if, if there may be one person listening who doesn't realize I'm a Brighton fan by trade it, That championship season he played for us, that promotion season, it's no word of a lie to say he was the single most talented player to have ever played for Brighton in its history at that point. Now, since we got into the Premier League, obviously, people have. The standards have altered and the standards have changed, but he's not completely lost it. Do you know what I mean? He's not a busted flush or anything like that. But what he will need is. I suspect a loan out to Greece means he probably needs a little bit of work on his fitness, shall we say, to get him back to where he needs to be to play in this side. He'll need a little bit of time to get his his touch back. He's very much a confidence player. So, he'll keep trying, don't get me wrong, but he really he, he's the t- he's the kind of player who if he skins someone early doors, sit back because you're in for a you're in for a treat, right? But I just think he offers something Town haven't got elsewhere in the squad which is a bit of X factor a bit of creativity out the blue and what he will do and what he's done consistently throughout his career is he's a risk taker he plays risk passes he takes shots on that other people won't he tries to get into areas that other people won't and we've been saying all season Town don't take enough risks they're too risk averse so I am I am all for putting a bit of a wild card in there, and I'm all for Haddersfield Town signing one of my all-time favourite players. But just with a word of caution that he's not quite the he's not quite the blower he was. But I'm really excited to see if he can get before the end of the season somewhere back up to speed.
0: Yeah, he's he's a bit of an unknown quantity just because he's barely played any football the last 18 months or so. Mm. I think his his loan at Forest was, was pretty forgettable by all accounts as well. Um, but even then, you look at it, the numbers that he racked up at Forest where he didn't have a particularly special season. And, you know, he was... He he was outperforming what Donnell Sinani did for Town last year, and I think our overall impression of Sinani was I don't know if he's good or not, but I think it was more erring towards good than not. Well, I think I, I, I think I, we
1: thought we both thought we didn't know if he was good or not, but he certainly did a specific job. Okay, yeah, and that's that's yeah. fine, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I do wonder how much that's. I do wonder if they've sort of looked specifically for a Sonani type, because mm. um, we know that Sorba Thomas isn't, you know, isn't in the best place at the moment. Didn't even get on the pitch against Hull, um, and whether they might be trying to get something the best out of Sorba again by having someone more like Sonani on alongside him, uh, or whether it's just, you know, I, I to be honest, I think even with all the caveats um, and doubts and the uncertainty around Knocka and his what what his level is now i think you would certainly hope that he could do a job even if he can't do it against the likes of you know Watford or Burnley or whoever anymore you would hope that he'd be able to do it against mm. Blackpool and Stoke and, and, and Bristol City you know the other
1: i think the other thing town fans need to understand is he's not a player who like sort of pulls his socks up and thinks right i'm going to get in the trenches and i'm going to be involved in every single minute of this game he's a player who can do nothing for 85 minutes and then do something in the 86th that makes you want to give him the man a match award that's just he's been like that all through his career so yeah i i, I kind of i'm trying to take my biases out of it <laughs> and look at the practical analytical reasons for signing him and i can i can completely see them and i can i agree with them but I just hope, even if he can get, I, I just the first thing is I don't think we're going to see him for a fortnight because it, it, he will need two weeks running around, <laughs> running around the pitch. He really will mm-hmm. because I'm sure his fitness will have been pretty much in the bin. But if he can get nice and fit again and get his touch back, then yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, I
0: think that's part of the reason he didn't play at the weekend. A lot of people questioning that, but Mark Fotheringham had. Basically said to us that he's going to need a bit of time because... He's been back and forth between sort of Greece and London and then up to Huddersfield and then has basically had no training time. Unlike Waghorn, who has been, you know, obviously training with Coventry all week or interrupted. He's
1: also been in a very warm country. And I mean, you go back to like yeah. what Arsene Wenger said, that you sign players from sort of Spain in very warm countries and they come over here and their fitness is just nowhere near because they don't run them as hard and they physically don't run as far as hard in games. So he just he's just going to need some practical time in the gym, isn't he? And then, and then get him up to speed. But yeah, I love him, and I want him to be my best friend.
0: Um, yeah, I, I think even if you can get him on for fifteen minutes at Blackpool, it's something, isn't yeah. it? Like I think if you'd had the option to have put him on instead of Brahim Adiara, um no, no disrespect to Brahim Diarra, but at, at Hull then. It could be a different story, and and I think it will bring a bit of you know you were talking about how they're too conservative. There's a bit of muscle memory there. It does feel like Knockhart is the kind of player who could help break that muscle memory. He is, and, he
1: is, and he's he's also the other the other thing that I think he brings up top, which I don't think Town have got anywhere or near enough of, is is we can't swear on this podcast. So I'm trying to think of an alternative word, but he's a bit of a uh, let's change the letter shut house. And he will wind defenders up and he will wind, you know, he will wind fullbacks up and he will like he will get people on yellow cards because, again, that's just what he's done for his entire career. That's why that's why the weird thing about knockout is a lot of people hate them. And that's because he's just spent 90 minutes against your club, winding up two of your players incessantly until you know one or the other has either got sent off or been on a yellow and had to be really quiet for half an hour so i don't think town have got enough of that up top i think they could do you know again going back to the wagon conversation i don't think there's anything wrong with being a bit nasty up top don't be comfortable to play against for a defense and knockout is not going to be comfortable for any fullback to come up against. Mm-hmm. Uh, loan
0: recalls as well in terms of other players that have come into the club. Um, I think I would be surprised if we saw Romani at the screen or Josh Caroma play for town again um, this season uh, or play for town again at all in Josh Caroma's case. Who knows, You know, maybe he'll come into training and do brilliant, but those are two players who because they played for town earlier in the season can't now go back out because it's maximum of two. Um, unless you know, unless they were to go back to Portsmouth and and Wigan, and I think we know that they were sent back rather than having been recalled. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Fotheringham has said there's a big challenge for them to get in the team. Um, but Scott High, very different boat. Um, he came straight into the starting lineup, which surprised I think everyone. Uh, Fotheringham had said that he would be involved, but I think we all sort of for Sora, a place on the bench, but he was in ahead of Kasum and Kamara alongside uh, Jonathan Hogg, which, and and I thought he did pretty well actually.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think he did anything wrong. You know, I'm I'm not I don't think he was exceptional by any stretch, but I certainly don't think he did anything anything wrong. And the thing about Scott High is we know what some people in the crowd think of him, but he is he is a, a like a manager's player isn't he he's i don't yeah, i don't want to say time. he's like a footballer's footballer or anything like that because he's nowhere near yet but there was that story which i hope you know town themselves won't mind me me saying but one of the reasons he got into Carlos Corbran's side in that pre-season is because he realized how much Corbran's coaching team looked at running stats and how far people ran and equated it to effort so he literally just put his vest on and was running out running back in running everywhere he could running to the next exercise just running 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 and lo and behold you know he got got himself up the list and people started to take notice he's a very intelligent lad and yeah I, i we like him more than some do i don't get why he's become a bit of a point of of a real point of difference for a lot of town fans I think if Mark Fotheringham thinks he can use him and get a tune out of him in the system he wants yeah why not why not
0: I, I don't think I can think of a less Rotherham United midfielder than Scott Hyde so it doesn't surprise me that he didn't play from there and it wouldn't surprise me if he came in and did well for town because you know I, I think Fotheringham talked about it but we we've watched Scott play a bit more for the, for the B team but you know he's He's very, very composed. He started as he played for the B team. He mostly played as like a deep line playmaker. He was a number six, so that's where the him raising his his running stats the other thing was he had lewis o'brien and he was like right i'm going to try and get to lewis's level and he set himself that challenge to do it um he absolutely changed his nuts off he's he's had to adapt from being that deep line six to being more of a box to box player so there's obviously there's going to be elements to his game um that he needs to work on um i think he is a more incisive player than than people realize and he played a really really good ball to jordan Rhodes just on the stroke yeah. of half time, where Rhodes tried to take up tried to do what he against Middlesbrough last season and tried to go out on the outside of the defender and go on his left foot and that was the wrong thing to do I think if Rhodes had come on his right um, and come inside the defender he'd have wrong-footed him and got in on goal and Scott High's got a lovely assist on his return there um, so yeah I, I don't think you or I are saying Scott High is going to save Huddersfield Town's season um, by any means but uh, yeah, I think we sort of wanted to talk about not just because he's back and it's novel to talk about him. But as you said, you know, he has become a bit of a weird, he, he does seem to draw a lot of criticism from certain fans that I think is completely <laughs> unwarranted. I don't think he's ever been, he's never come into the side and put in that eight out of 10 eye catching performance. But I think last season, you know, he played a lot of football first half last season, was as much a part of that side as as anyone else, really. And, you know, he only had, I think, that one really bad game against Swansea, um, where he he made a big error uh, a couple of big errors but otherwise he was absolutely fine um, <laughs> I think me
1: and you are to be frank still of the opinion that his single biggest crime is the fact that he's not Lewis O'Brien and I don't yeah. think he was meaning the way he plays or the type of midfielder he is in that he hasn't come into the first team and just looked like he's played a thousand games already and yeah. you know and can, can run a million miles every week that's just not the player he is and I think when he had lewis as such an obvious recent point of comparison it's almost an impossible standard isn't it that's the yeah. thing yeah. and just because he's on like a a normal path for a young footballer in one of the most important positions on the pitch i think it's like okay well why is he not you know why is he not about beyond where he should be right now but mm-hmm. we'll see it, it the thing is, we we spent a lot of the first half of the season looking at squad lists, going, "Oh, this is thin." <laughs> We've spent a lot of time before games talking, looking at the benches, and going, "That looks that looks thin to me, Steve." Town now have like arguably a squad that's a touch too big. <laughs> yes, so, definitely. So. so like I don't think I. I think Mark Fotheringham obviously wants to have a look at everybody, and if he thinks he's a viable option, then yeah, sound. But I don't think I. I kind of understand bringing him in to have a look, but I. Yeah. I would be staggered if David Kasumi doesn't start on Saturday.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think Kasumi looks the best option for yeah. that role. Yeah. I. I. I do wonder to what extent picking Scott Hyde was a. Boot up the backside for Kasumu and Kamara, who I don't think were brilliant against Preston in the cup. And ironically, um, that's what
1: Kasumu loves to do to other people: boot them up the backside. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, we'll we'll see how it goes. I mean, I I think, as I say, that point might look like a better point in a few weeks, or it might look like the the points they dropped that ended up relegating them come the end of the season. Uh, I think it's. It's hard to say um on that whole game at the moment and uh, yeah. I think if they if they beat Blackpool then it suddenly feels a lot better because then it's 10 points from 5 games which is an excellent return. Mm. I think if they don't beat Blackpool then it it it, it doesn't yeah. feel so good, does it?
1: I uh... I think the thing we can't lose sight of is we're talking about longer term what they need to do get out to get out of the relegation zone I do think they need to win away games. If they got a point at Blackpool it wouldn't be a complete disaster but at some point you've got to get your numbers up (laughs) and at some point you've got to take a few risks at some point you've got to go for it and it feels like a big week next week that blackpool game that commentary game th- 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 these are the, that's the game in hand isn't these it these are the chances for town to help themselves you know like if if they were still if they were to lose both of them for instance and still be in the bottom three and they haven't taken that opportunity they got no one else to blame have they
0: <laughs> <laughs> no and i think the other thing to mention before we go on you know we, we've talked a lot about mark Fotheringham and, and I think we have seen, again, gradual improvements, both mm. in their form and, you know, with some backward yeah. steps in there as well, but um, in their form and in their performances. But I think with the signings they've made now, you know, he he's himself has talked about, uh, he thinks the show, club has shown really good ambition, bringing in someone like Knockhart. Yeah. They've got Canberri, which is, you know, let's be honest, it's his guy, isn't it? It's someone that he knew before. Um, they've brought in the, the the attack and reinforcements that he wants. They've brought in a new right back. Um, he's got you know th- th- that those number ten wing roles. Um, he's got so many options there now. Yeah. You know he's got Radoni, Holmes, Thomas, Nkara, um, Diarra. Um, you know so they've got so many options there now that there's really not any excuse for Mark Fotheringham not to crack on now. No, and I, and I think we've been we've sort of gone easy because we've been able to see that gradual progress and we knew it wasn't going to come overnight but I think now it's time for him to put it into the next gear and if town can't do that then it's going to be him that we scrutinize a lot more closely isn't it
1: yeah and uh, like not to repeat myself but I think that's where I come back to on the performance on Saturday in that yeah that that's a game where like that three points away from home there would have been massive absolutely massive yeah. and These are the games where they've got to take a few risks and go for it. And I think once everybody's up to speed and they've had a couple of weeks at the club, etc., I think by the, you know, come early February, there's going to be very few excuses left because they've had a go here. You know, they've really had a go recruitment-wise and it's not just giving the manager what he wants they've kind of given the fans what they want as well which is striker after striker after striker (laughs) creative (laughs) players and more experience which is is the things that all the fans have wanted too so while i think they're doing the right thing and while i think that's good they 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 the pressure's on isn't it they kind of they've got to go and do it now
0: yeah i mean them to getting their work done early yeah I think there's a couple of signings there who are on the fence about. But, um, you know, if you're going to make those signings, you don't want to be waiting until deadline day to do them. Um, obviously, there's there's going to be more to do- be done with a goalkeeper as well. Um, but, um, yeah, we'll we'll do see you, where they go. Do you
1: think in your role as Yorkshire Lives Huddersfield Town writer, hmm. is it worth just thinking, do you think there might be a couple of outs? I, I can see a couple yeah. of loans brokered, certainly.
0: Yeah, I mean John Russell's the best worst kept secret, isn't he? Um, But where's where's the
1: interest, Steve? That's the problem. It's it's so the story that popped up. Me and you both said on this podcast that's an agent, (laughs) that's an agent. So the the thing is, the clock's ticking, like isn't it? The clock's ticking. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's true. I mean.
1: Yeah we'll, we'll see that I mean again
0: the the players that you might like to get out <laughs> Josh Gromer Rowan Edmonds Green you, you can't really mm. um so yeah we'll we'll have to see where they where they trim the fat um what happens with Tino Andrian, with Chelsea? Mm. You know, whether there is any... You wonder if Chelsea might be biding their time a little bit um, with their budget, because obviously, you know, Town will be paying paying his wages at the moment. Whether they can come to some agreement before the end of the window with them, who knows? But uh, And how much that would open up... Um, possibilities to do someone else I don't know mm. um, assuming or whether they'll just keep him there till the end of the season that's the other thing you know we don't know if he's going to play if he does stay we don't know if he's going to play again this season or not yeah. I think they'll probably not count I think it's probably at this stage don't count on it but
1: I think who knows. The, the thing is Chelsea like one of the re, one of the things Chelsea loved about him being there last season was that they got him fitter than he'd ever been in his entire career so I know he's injured now but they may be thinking we wouldn't mind you handling that recovery <laughs> For us, and mm-hmm. I kind of I kind of understand that. So, yeah, we shall see. I can see I can see a couple of loans out because that squad's quite heavy now. We've gone the other way, <laughs> and it's quite it's quite heavy. But I just I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what else happens before the end of the window to see if if they because arguably you there is a very strong argument that apart from a goalkeeper their business is done, isn't there?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, not we're not forgetting, you know, Jheem Medley's come back as well. He's an option, and they, the, they will definitely
1: they want... look at him. I think I, it, yeah, like his his form at Harrogate before he got a bit bored of playing in League Two was really really good. Bradford fans are absolutely desperate for him to go there because he ran them absolutely ragged earlier in the season. So I think they'll he'll certainly get an audition in training. Put it that way.
0: Yeah, and then I think they'll make a decision based on how he does there. So yeah, we'll see how they do. Carl Hudlin, I think maybe in a similar position. Um, he saw him play for the B team with Tyree Simpson last week, which was a lot of fun. Um, but. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, he'd be <laughs> something different, shall we say? Uh, but what didn't really tear out? He did brilliant in the JPT. He was one of those players. Scored every, pretty much every a goal a game in the JPT, and not much in the league. So, yeah. We well, the see. PJT, as it is confusingly yeah, now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Rubbish. Yeah.
0: Just why would you pick those initials? No idea. Can't they just... Uh, never mind. Can they just call themselves John Pappas? <laughs> just so we can have the JPT back.
1: Uh, right. Uh, music rec, please. Uh, for six musics back to the 90s event, Fat Boy Slim has done a 29-minute remix of various of the original samples uh, and original tunes on You've Come a Long Way, Baby, which... You'll be unsurprised to know, as a devout Brighton boy, it's genuinely one of my all-time favourite albums. So it's a lovely little 29 minutes.
0: Great. Um, I'm going to go with uh, a little EP uh, by Angel Olsen called Isles, which is five covers of songs, I think all from the 80s. Uh, but I heard when I went to Preston for up Cup by Complete Random Chance and in three different places, heard three of the five original versions of the songs on that EP. Uh, but the cover of Eyes Without a Face uh, is particularly excellent. So Thanks.
1: that's mine. Uh, that Fatboy Slim remix, I should say, is it's on the iPlayer. It's not on. It's not on your Spotify's, your Apple Music's. It's on your iPlayer.
0: Good. Thank you, Dave, for the clarification. And we'll see you next week after we've been to the other coast. Goodbye.
1: Your mix clouds.
0: Just a quick addendum, then, because we've had another transfer since we recorded this. Uh, Joseph Hungbo has now joined Huddersfield Town as well, so another new signing Dave to talk about. Uh, A winger from Watford, 23 years old hasn't played a huge amount for Watford, he's had seven games from the bench this season Um, did really well at at Ross County last year, there's one free kick in particular uh, which is incredible, that I would recommend you go and watch, about 35 yards out, in off the bar, lovely stuff. Um, Another winger though Dave, what do you reckon?
1: He's He's one that, when you dig in a bit, he makes a lot of sort of stats and analytic guys a bit frothy. Um, So there's there's clearly there's clearly a talent there. You wonder if it's possibly an audition to see if Town could, you know, if they really really want him, if they could make him really really welcome and give him some minutes on the pitch and potentially do something in the summer. But it's just it's quite an unknown quantity, isn't it? Because he's going to go into a Championship relegation battle, and it, it it's not easy. Is, it, is the thing, so yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting signing to get done, and you do wonder, you do look at that position and go, I'm not sure they necessarily needed him, so like I say, is there something else to it potentially? I don't know, I don't know, just wild speculation, Stephen.
0: Yeah, this is where we are, I, I don't get the vibe that they're expecting to go straight into the first 11, and you know, start... Uh, banging in the goals, I think it's going to be another option for Mark Fotheringham, um, someone to to challenge for a place in a position that we've already talked about on this show uh, yeah. as having a lot of options already. I mean, it does make me wonder if they might be looking at a, a change of shape um, or whether, you know, we talked about whether there's going to be outs. That's, is he, I don't know, is he building a four-four-two? That's what I've been thinking, yeah, that's mm. what I think. Yeah,
1: mm, you look at yeah.
0: He played four four two in his first game um against Reading, and yeah, it feels feels very like building for a four four two, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I'll do a bit of digging on that, and I'll have a look just to confirm that, off for my own common sense. But yeah, that would make a lot of sense, and then suddenly you sort of. You look at a couple of the signings in a slightly different context, don't you? Or even, I mean, I'm not sure it'd be a four-four-two. Would it be like a four-four-one-one basically, mm. which we think is what he, we know he wants to up top. So, in that context, suddenly another winger actually kind of makes sense because Town have lots of wingers who do half of one job and half of another. So, yeah, I kind of see it from that viewpoint. An- actually. And out and outer, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, I'm convinced. (laughs) Great.
0: Okay, thanks for that, Dave. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.